Welcome to Everyday Nonviolence. This podcast is produced by Friends for a Nonviolent World, or FNVW. FNVW champions nonviolence as the foundation for effective programs and actions to promote the dignity of every human being. The Everyday Nonviolence podcast highlights people in our community who are using the principles and practices of nonviolence to transform themselves and the world around us. Their stories deepen our understanding of the impact of violence and the many ways nonviolence can be used for healing and social change. Every year, the United States celebrates Martin Luther King Jr. Day in honor of MLK's life and legacy. The gains made by the civil rights movement under his leadership are a powerful example of what can be accomplished through strategic nonviolent action. But how much do we really know about MLK and the nonviolent activism of the civil rights movement? How do we continue to move Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision forward in our world today? In this series of short episodes, we'll be exploring the six principles of Kingian nonviolence which were the underlying moral values and beliefs that guided MLK's life and activism. Each episode in this series will focus on one of the six principles of Kingian nonviolence. I'm your host, Jaron Peterson-Dean. Peter Digitali Anderson, Program Director and the Director of Formation at Peace Catalyst International, joins me in this episode where we will be studying the second principle of Kingian nonviolence. Peter's work here in the Twin Cities is focused on catalyzing churches and white folks to get involved in the work of racial healing and justice, ranging from internal growth and accountability to wide-scale social change. He will be our guide as we seek a deeper understanding of the nonviolent principles and practices that were so integral to MLK's life and leadership. Thank you, Peter, for joining us again today. Thanks for having me, Jaren. The second principle of Kingian nonviolence is that the beloved community is the framework of the future. What is the beloved community that King spoke of so passionately? So in Kingian nonviolence, one of the ways that we summarize this, we say the nonviolent concept is an overall effort to achieve a reconciled world by raising the level of a relationship among people to a height where justice prevails and persons attain their full human potential. So we'll get into that just a little bit here, but this is such an essential and beautiful vision. The phrase, the beloved community, originally came from theologian Josiah Royce, but King really embraced this concept and helped popularize it. And for King, the beloved community was this vision of a society in which racism and hatred would be replaced by an inclusive spirit of kinship with one another where social ills like poverty and homelessness wouldn't even be tolerated. It's a society where we see ourselves as so deeply in relationship with each other that compassion and justice always guide us towards flourishing together. It's easy to treat this as some sort of idealistic vision, 
which it partly was. The beloved community is something that we're always looking towards, we're striving for, we're trying to move society in this direction. And at the same time, it's also based in the here and now. We can change how we live together to better reflect the beloved community. We can start to experience a taste of the beloved community in our own relationships, in our organizations, even if we're a long way off from seeing this happen on a global social transformation sort of level. If we want this future, it happens by first embodying it today. How does this principle influence your organizing work? Without some vision of the beloved community in mind, I would find organizing to be so hopeless and discouraging. People aren't inspired by what we're against. I'm not inspired by the things that we're against. We're motivated by the things that we're fighting for, by what we're trying to move toward. And especially in organizing, like the framework of the beloved community, it gives us this signpost, this marker that we are able to keep our eyes on. We always know what sort of world we're trying to steer things toward, even if it's distant and hard to see and we're not always sure how to get there. The beloved community always gives us this horizon that we're like, this is the direction we are trying to go. One of the ways that shows up a lot for me in some of my own work, um, the past couple of years, I've been pretty involved in organizing for, for police abolition and working against police violence um, here in the cities. This idea of having this horizon, this beloved community, this future we're working towards is essential for this sort of work. Because talking about abolition is not just about, let's get rid of the police and do away with it all. It's not about what we're getting rid of. Abolition is about the world we're trying to create. Here's something better. So let's start trying it out. Let's invest more in community-led safety. Let's invest more in violence interruption teams. Um, let's invest more in restorative practices and transformative justice. And let's be a lot more intentional and pour more money and resources into addressing homelessness and mental illness. So how do we create this world where the police as we experience them now aren't even necessary, as opposed to just getting rid of the thing that we're fighting against? I would imagine that at times it becomes challenging to continue moving toward that beloved community when there are so many things or barriers that are in our way. Do you have any tips or advice for people who may start to feel that sense of hopelessness when it comes to this work? This is not work that we can do alone. We cannot survive as solitary activists trying to do things ourselves. We are meant to be in relationship. We are meant to be in community with others. It's in those communities. It's having people that we are working alongside and where we're caring for each other and sustaining each other and telling each other hopeful stories and celebrating the victories and mourning collectively when things hurt. Community and relationship is what sustains us. It's really important to keep in mind. And I think even for those of us who might be taking on smaller battles of our own, it's important to remember to lean on the people around us to help us. So Peter, now it's time for our homework. Can you please give us a reflection question to think about that ties to the second principle of Kingian nonviolence? So a reflection question for today is, when have you experienced the beloved community in a relationship or in a community? And what actions or ideas helped to create that deep commitment to each other's well-being? And then what's one step you might take to start fostering that sort of mutual care 
with another group or another relationship? How can you spread it? Wow, what an important question. Thank you so much. We will meet again for episode three. Thank you very much. I've been talking with Peter Digitali Anderson. You can find more information about Peace Catalyst International, including upcoming workshops on nonviolence and conflict transformation at www.peacecatalyst.org. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Everyday Nonviolence. To learn more about Friends for a Nonviolent World, visit our website at fnvw.org or call 651-917-0383. We hope you will subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes and insightful conversations. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and are not intended to reflect the official positions of FNVW, its staff, or board of directors.